OpenServe is more than just SA's largest telecoms infrastructure provider. It's the answer to new ways of doing business, a connection to cutting-edge technology and infinite possibilities. A connection to tomorrow. Connect with us at openserve.coza. This episode of Talk Central is brought to you by Pinnacle, Africa's top ICT distribution business, delivering the exceptional every time. I'm Richard van der And I'm Duncan McLeod. This is Talk Central, episode 238 for the week starting 14 October 2018. Talk Central is brought to you by Tech Central. WhatsApp the show, 71 On Talk Central this week, government vows no repeat of the 4G licensing fiasco. Also this week, government upends its TV migration plans, take a lot to build a Gauteng customer center, and it's said to be in a very clever location, the end of Google+, Plus, and mm. researchers have invented a camera that can capture a pulse of light as it travels through space. Yeah, no, that camera is definitely better than your camera, Duncan. <laughs> <laughs> it's Sunday. We are once again live streaming at textlive.techcentral.ca and it's time to talk everything tech. Well, welcome to the show. How's it, Rechart? How's it, Duncan? So, it's been a busy week. It's finally raining in Joburg, which is wonderful. Uh, yep. The hardy dolls are going crazy, so uh, if you hear some background noise, it's them roosting in the tree outside. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, lots to talk about this week. But before we get into all of that, let's do our quiz. The first question. Telecom is reportedly in talks to, with a view to possibly buying which Zimbabwean telecommunications operator? Communications regulatory CASA has vowed to license radio frequency spectrum for 4G by when? And third question, when does CASA expect to license 5G spectrum? And the outgoing CEO of eMedia Holdings said this week that South Africa can complete its migration to digital television within a year. Who is he? And the last question, Adobe will this week take the wraps off the next major update to its Creative Cloud suite of software. What is the event and where is it taking place in Los Angeles called? Sorry, what is the event which is taking place in Los Angeles called? And um, I'm sure you're going to be glued to your screen for that oh, one, yeah. Richard. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. Creative, I'm a big fan. Creative Cloud Suite 2019. And um, if past years are anything to go by, uh, it will be released um, at the same time. So we should be running our update engines during the course of this week. Mm, can't wait to see what they've got in store. That is going to be a good one. They've already dropped a few hints about uh, some of the content, the additional content aware features that are coming to Adobe mm. Photoshop, and they look mind-blowing. I mean, and we use it quite a lot, surprisingly a lot, you know, just to, 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 to put images into the right shape, um, you know, to take off some of the, 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 the stuff that you don't want in the photograph. I, I use content aware fill in Photoshop every day, every single day. Um, it's it's fantastic. For those who don't know what content aware fill is, it it really allows you to select a portion of an image and then to fill it in based on what's around that um, marquee selected area, yeah. and um, it it works very very well. Very very clever uh, technology, and the talk is that they're going to be enhancing content aware fill significantly in this next release of Photoshop. Hmm. And I'm sure we're going to see some interesting advancements in the audio side as well. I mean, there has been talk of. Uh yeah, some uh, content-aware kind of tweaks that you can do for, for audio as well. So For audition. Oh, that'd be for nice. audition. Yeah, that'd be nice, yeah. yeah. Audition's amazing software. We use it to, mm. um, to edit this podcast, and uh, I must say I'm, uh, I, I probably have, I've probably used 20% of its functionality so far. <laughs> uh, it can do pretty amazing stuff. Uh, I mean, the, the, yeah, the stuff that you can do with a suite in its own, it's, mm. it's absolutely incredible. 
And uh, hopefully we'll get some news at the event this week about Photoshop for iPad Pro as well. Mm. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that's going to be released this week. I think it may come a bit later, but uh, they certainly are planning to release Photoshop for uh, the I think it's for the iPad Pro only. Mm. And, uh, of course, we've got the iPad Pro event rumored to be coming up at the end of this month. Um, the speculation is either the 30th or the 31st of August. Um, and uh, that's going to have an A12X processor, so something even more powerful than the current, the brand new um, iPhone XS and XS Max uh, chip. Mm. Um, so that is going to be one heck of an iPad, I think. Yeah, certainly for creatives, they're going to love playing with that tech, that's for sure. That combined with the uh, the new generation Apple Pencil, um, yeah. I, I think I'm actually much more excited about this uh, iPad announcement, this rumored iPad announcement anyway, uh, than I was about the iPhone announcement. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Look, I mean, it's becoming... It's becoming that PC that we've always wanted. I mean, the, the iPad has long been that awesome one-screen device that we've seen in sci-fi movies. So now, you know, the progression of that, mm. that pen, that pen is going to, for me, is going to be a very appealing idea. And I'll certainly be more inclined to buy the iPad than uh, the iPhone. And I, I do wonder if there's going to be a one more thing at this event where they announce <laughs> that the Apple Pencil now works with the iPhone. Oh, yeah, you've been saying that for a while. Um that's it's a logical thing to do. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely, definitely. It's the logical thing to do. I would not be surprised. Maybe it just works with the iPhone XS Max. Um, but um, I was playing around with a Galaxy Note 9 the other day. I don't know if you've um, played with one of those, Rechot. No, But no. I, was, I was using the, what do they call it, the S Pen. Yes. Uh, and writing on the screen. And the experience was much, much better than I expected it to be. Really responsive and cool. Um, and feedback-wise, I mean, I've always, I always, you know, the one thing that put me off was the feel of that stylus on a glass screen. You know what I'm it saying? It was that? fine. It felt fine. I, I didn't have any particular view of it. Um, it's, uh, it, it makes a weird little sound as you as you're moving the thing across the screen, almost as if you're running a pen across a, a, the surface of a piece of paper. Um, uh, oh. It's a bit gimmicky, I suppose. Um, but no, it was, I guess it's it was, it yeah, was interesting. It's, it's, it's trying to make you feel like you're writing on paper, I'm mm. sure. But a large screen iPad Pro coupled with the Apple Pencil, coupled with Adobe Creative Tools, mm. um, I think that's going to be a winner. Oh, yeah. I mean, then, you know, if they allow some clever software that allows you to get your, your, your video or audio from any device onto the iPad, yeah. you know, then you're looking at a device that creatives can take out into the field and produce whatever they need to produce with. And but, and I mean the the strong rumor. I mean, it, it looks like it's it's a foregone conclusion is that they are dropping the Lightning connector on the new iPad and going with USB C, which would then allow you to connect a wide mm. variety of external devices, including drives. Yeah, for sure. The operating system is still a bit closed, though, so you know you're not not like you'd be able to access a file manager very easily. Well, there is a file manager <laughs> built into iOS now. Oh, is it in there? Yeah, I haven't no. uh, I haven't even tried that for a while. Yeah, no, it's there. I think they introduced it with iOS eleven. Mm. Um, I haven't used it much myself. I haven't really seen the need, but I, I could imagine that it would become much more important in an, in a, in a, oh, yeah. in, on an iPad Pro with a USB-C port where you can attach these peripherals. Definitely, definitely. And again, yeah, if you if you have that, you know, one device that um, people that create content, journalists, um, guys in video and guys that shoot movies, I mean, that screen has got a lot of power behind it. Yeah, um, yeah. We can use it for so much. I mean, I've often wanted to plug it into my camera. I know there's some apps that allow you to do that. Uh, to use it as a separate screen to monitor and, uh, yes. uh, you know, so it, it's it's really the screen we've always wanted, um, just better. Yeah. So lots of stuff happening for the rest of October. So Adobe and Apple keynotes coming up. 
And uh, it's been keynote season, hasn't it? There have been a lot mm. lately. We had the mm. Apple the iPhone announcement. We had the Google Pixel 3 announcement, which I thought was a little underwhelming. I don't know if you watched it. Um, but the Pixel no. 3 didn't really excite me too much. And the, the you know, they copied the, um, um, what do they call it, the top of the iPhone? The, uh, oh, the, the uh, yeah, man, the, the notch, not the, the notch. notch. Yes, the, the, notch, notch. the notch, the notch. They copied the notch, but it's huge and it's ugly. Um, so I'm not sure Google's, uh, um, you know, I would have liked one of these Pixel devices in mm, the past, mm. but uh, I wasn't terribly excited about this announcement. Oh, of course, the other big uh, keynote that's coming up also this week, uh, I think on Tuesday, is uh, Huawei is um, announcing the Mate 20 Pro in London. Mm. I'm really looking forward to seeing that phone. I think I may, it may be my next phone. Yeah, they've certainly come a far away from uh, just doing those cheap modems that we used to buy back yes. in the day, right? <laughs> so yeah, I'm, I'm also looking forward to that. I mean, that the, uh, that's always been the range where they push, you know, the the, the, the underlying tech um, rather than the visual aesthetics of the phone. Um, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see that thing in action. Absolutely, and the rumored screen sizes. I mean. Actually, not a huge amount is leaked about this. It's rumored to have um, four cameras on the back, mm. um, similar to the A9 from Samsung that was announced last week. Um, but uh, there's there's a lot of uh, um, conflicting rumors out there about the screen size. I've seen everything from – on the Pro, that is, everything from 6.3 inches to 7.1 inches. Wow. Um, although the, the, some of the reports have suggested the 7.1-inch version of the phone is going to be for the Chinese market only. Um, oh, China, okay. China, Chinese love massive phones. Um, but 6.3-inch sounds like a, a good size to me anyway, especially mm. if there's no bezel, which there won't be. Look, I've also from you know everything we've seen in the last few years on technology, you can really bring out any screen size. I think there will be a market for it. Um, it's it's more of who 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 likes a brand and will they upgrade to your device next? I think yeah. Apple has had that for time, but with their pricing getting a bit out of out of sync with uh, the rest of the world, um, you know, at least the most consumer budgets. Uh, yeah, yeah. People are going to look elsewhere for sure. For sure. Anyway, that, that whip around of uh, global keynotes, uh, we should get onto our uh, get onto our news, and there's quite a quite a bit to talk about this week. Remember, you can WhatsApp the show. We are live again on live.techcentral.ca.za, and the number to use is oh seven one triple nine double one double one. But a lot of news coming out of uh, government this week, and um, all actually quite positive for a change. Um, we have uh, government has. I, I attended a conference this week um, or a media briefing after the event. Um, where the telecommunications minister, Sia Bongo Tuele, was addressing uh, industry leaders, industry stakeholders. Um, this happened in Santon, uh, and um, there was a media briefing with the minister and his deputy after afterwards. Um, and it, it was really nice to be able to sit around a table with the minister and, and um, talk through the issues around spectrum. Uh, basically, uh, the Minister of Telecommunications vowed that there will be no repeat of the delays in licensing 4G spectrum. And as you know, Rechot, mm. um, 4G spectrum hasn't if officially been licensed in South Africa. Uh, it should have happened eight years ago now. Um, and the operators have been forced to reallocate 2G and 3G spectrum assignments to roll out what has been fairly limited LTE um, mm. it, certainly in terms of um, the robustness of the LTE because they've had very limited spectrum with which to do it. Now, um, interestingly, in the, pres- in the press conference, there was Paris Mashile, who's a counselor at 
the Independent Communications Authority of South Africa, and he spoke with the minister, uh, which is a big turn-up for the books given the minister was suing ECASA until not that long ago over its plans with licensing Spectrum. And Paris Michile said uh, the intention is to um, complete the licensing process uh, by the end of the current financial year, which would be 31 March 2019. Um, they're going to have the um, documents in place by the end of this year on how the process is going to be run. Uh, and then it looks likely that they're going to run a spectrum auction um, by March next year. Um, the only uh, company that won't um, have to participate in the spectrum auction is the Wholesale Open Access Network, or WOAN, which will um, be granted spectrum. Um, but the rest of the spectrum that's available in the um, affected bands, which is likely to be seven, eight, 700 megahertz, 800 megahertz, and 2.6 gigahertz, which are all ideal for 4G LTE, uh, will be auctioned off. Um, and I think this is really positive news. There seems to be a lot of action happening behind the scenes. Um, I can only attribute it to uh, the president, Sir Ramaphosa, taking a direct interest in the sector and um, and and telling his ministers to get a move on with this. Um, there's been too much messing around. We've wasted years and years. Let's get on with this. Um, and suddenly things are moving, and it's all very exciting, actually. Yeah, what a what a time to be alive, isn't it? When we can talk <laughs> so positively about the government in the tech sector, um, it's long overdue for sure, like you said. Um, but now we have, now the catch up game is beginning, right? Now we need to catch up with uh, with the the admin side of these things, and actually just get the technology deployed so that we can move on to yeah, yeah the next uh, the next. Uh, the next bits of technology that we need to focus on. Which is 5G, of course. Um, oh, yeah. And very encouragingly, the minister said that there are going to be no delays in licensing 5G. And um, with the ACASA sitting next to him, the ACASA representative sitting next to him, he said, we will license 5G in 2020. Um, so that's two years away. Uh, sure. So we'll get the 4G spectrum out and then immediately start working on the 5G spectrum. Um, Paris Machile said, um, and, and he's right, that they, they need to wait for the outcome of the WRC19 conference, that's the World Radio Communications Conference, which I think is run by the ITU, the International Telecommunications Union. And that's where the 5G standards are going to be finalized and ratified. Um, so once that process is completed, we'll know exactly you know, what spectrum bands um, South Africa should be deploying in the region we're in, um, and ICASA can get on with the licensing process. But yeah, it's exciting. We'll get the 4G out there. Um, the, the one problem is that uh, the broadcasters are still sitting on the 7 and 800 megahertz spectrums, although there's some positive news on that side as well, which we'll talk about in a moment. Um, and then we'll get the 5G spectrum allocated. And, um, hey, we, we might be able to actually catch up in, in pretty pretty short order. You know how fantastic it's going to be, Recha, to have 4G deployed um, and in the digital dividend bands of 7 and 800 megahertz. It's our coverage. I mean, we, we live and work in, in mm. the city. Our coverage, once the operators deploy 4G in those bands, is going to be massively improved. Um, you know, at the moment you walk into a, into a building and you can literally watch the bars on your phone dropping <laughs> down. Yeah. Um, that's because 4G has been deployed um, at, at relatively higher frequencies, uh, I think, 2.1 gigahertz or possibly 1800 megahertz. Yeah. Um, when you deploy it at a much lower frequency, the, the, those frequencies travel much better through, um, through, through walls, for example, through yeah. buildings. Um, so in, in future, you, once they're deployed at that sort of uh, frequency, um, you walk, you get, you get into a lift, for example, you're not, you're probably not going to lose that 4G signal. Um, 
So much better coverage in, in, in the mm. cities, much better in, in building coverage. And then, of course, in the rural areas, um, as we all know, um, it's cheaper to deploy 4G or any um, networking technology, wireless networking technology using lower frequency bands. So mm. it will mean that it becomes cheaper to roll out these technologies in rural areas because you don't need as many base stations. So the r- impact of that will be that 4G population coverage um, provided by the mobile operators should increase dramatically after they get access to the spectrum. And it will certainly improve the stuff that we do. The, the one thing that I noticed with, 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 with the frequencies really impact is you doing data calls like a WhatsApp or yes. uh, doing 4G. It, you know, if, if, if you do get into a place where the signal drops off a bit, you know, it really deteriorates at that call, uh, the call quality. So mm-hmm. that kind of thing will definitely uh, improve. Um, for users of those uh, voice over IP type system services. No doubt about that. No doubt about that. And then from 2020, we'll start to see 5G being deployed. That'll, of course, happen in the cities first. Um, mm. But uh, it'll be around the time that we start seeing 5G handsets in the market. Um, I, I suspect that um, I suspect that next year's iPhone model uh, will be one of the first with 5G built into it. Um, if they don't do it next year, they'll certainly do it in 2020, but I think they'll want to do it next year. Yeah, um, for sure. They want to, they want to claim the first without mm-hmm. a doubt. There'll be some Chinese manufacturers. I think they get their first. I think, um, I think ZTE has already said that they're working on a phone. Um, I think Oppo has said they, I think Oppo may have something in the market already, but it's pre 5G ratified standards. Mm. Um, but definitely, I mean, it's very likely, I think, that the iPhone, um, what will be called the uh, iPhone 11, uh, will, um, 11 XS. <laughs> yes, uh, will have 5G chipset in it. And, um, Samsung will, um, maybe Samsung will, see, maybe the next Galaxy announced early next year, the next Galaxy S line will, will have an early 5G, although pro- mm. probably not. Well, let's look. I mean, Samsung has been known to also like to 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 put in a first mm. year in there for consumer stuff. Yeah, the note, yeah. note the note the note ten will almost certainly have it. I reckon. But we we're talking about five G. What about six G? I think that's where it's going to be at. <laughs> <laughs> You're getting ahead of yourself. <laughs> it feels like we. I mean, if we're talking about five, I mean four G. You know, we've been we've spoken about this before, but I mean, it is really good, and it's going to get even better with uh, this frequency. I can only, I mean, I can only imagine the, the newer applications that we're going to see with uh, even better uh, throughputs. Mm. Can't wait! It's a fantastic time to be alive in the data space. Yeah. Well, I don't think five G is going to have um, a huge, um, meaningful impact on smartphone users. I think the applications are going to be elsewhere, at least initially. Um, really but it'll still impact us as a, you know, it'll still impact us in terms of data. You, uh, what speed. you want to use? Yeah, yeah, speed and uh, but the technology that we use, the the technology that we use, is going to make use of those spectrums. Hmm. Yeah, um, it, it'll be things. It'll be used in industry, Internet of Things, um, uh, specific use cases, fixed wireless access. I think those will be some of the first applications. While the chipsets will be in phones, are you really going to notice a difference between 100 megabit per second 4G and 1 gigabit per second 5G? Exactly. No, you, you won't. I mean, with fiber, data is already – speed has already become, you know, kind of a, a, a thing we don't really talk about. If you've got fiber, it's almost expected that you're going to have the capacity to download a 2-gig file very easily if I send it to you. Yeah. Um, For sure, which is fantastic. I mean, it's already kind of lowered that. Or, or, you know, having said that, not everybody has fiber, so there's still that massive divide of that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's certainly nice to not have that as an issue anymore. Mm. The, the, the back end. Yeah, yeah. 
So going going along with this, of course, is um, is is the TV migration project, which um, uh, I'm not going to rehash all the history of it, but everyone knows that it's horribly behind schedule for numerous reasons. Uh, but there was also some positive news from government on that this week, and uh, that was that uh, the cabinet um, has approved a decision, in effect, to cancel the set-top box procurement project that Usasa was running, um, which we know has been um, caught up in all sorts of allegations of um, impropriety and corruption. Um, and they've basically said, well, let the market sort this out, um, which is what they should have done in the first place. Mm. Um but it's it's good news that at last there's a realization that perhaps government shouldn't be uh, trying to micromanage this process and that um, it should just be left up to the market to sort out. Uh, so what they and we'll only have more details. I believe that the Department of Communications is planning to have a press conference this Friday to talk about the exact details of how this is going to work. But my understanding of it is that um, Usasa is no longer. In fact, Usasa said this: they're no longer going to um, procure any more set-top boxes for this project. So what they have in their warehouses, they're going to distribute. Once they're gone, no more no more set-top boxes to be, to be procured by the government. Instead, what they're talking of doing is giving a voucher to qualifying indigent households who haven't already received a set-top box, and that those indigent households then can take that voucher and use it um, to, to buy whatever they want, um, whatever sort of set-top box they want or even an integrated TV, um, use it as a subsidy for that. Um, they haven't said how much this, these vouchers are going to be worth and how much they're going to cost the taxpayer, um, but I presume there's some budget that's already been um, set aside for the uh, manufacturing the set-top boxes, so I presume it's relatively easy to, to reassign that remaining budget to this project. Um, I, I guess there's going to have to be some very clever management of this to avoid corruption and, and you know, the trading of these vouchers. Um, I'm not sure how they're going to do it, but um, one hopes they're going to get it right. Uh, but it's in, in, in principle, it sounds like a fantastic idea. Um, give give the poor household poorer households a, um, a, a voucher. The voucher can explain exactly what digital terrestrial television is and what they need to do to get the project done to 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 get their house on DTT. Um, it sounds like a much more sensible way of doing it. And so, if you if you're an indigent homeowner, you can go to um, a local retailer with this voucher. Give them the voucher. You can then get a free set-top box, basic set-top box, or you can add a bit of cash to that voucher and get a fancier set-top box that might record television on a hard drive for you, for example. Or you could even say, well, I'd like to get a, a flat-screen TV uh, that has an integrated digital receiver in it. And mm. you can use that voucher um, to offset some of the cost of purchasing that IDTV. Um I look forward to hearing more details about it later this week, but on paper, this looks like a fantastic idea. Oh, yeah, no, for sure. I mean, and it's making the technology easily accessible. Let's just hold thumbs that those evil, corrupt people don't get their grabby paws on the system. You know, that's kind of the only yeah. thing we always have to be worried about. There will be attempts. About. There will be attempts, no doubt. So the government's going to have to think it through very carefully the way they handle this voucher system. And hopefully they're going to provide some more detail on this um, at the press conference later this week. But mm. um, Aldra Dreyer, who's head of the project management office, um, uh, who we had on, on the Tech Central podcast, um, I think two, three months ago now, uh, is, is behind the scenes driving this process. He understands the, um, the, the broadcasting industry and the digital migration project intimately. So I think that this is his doing. This is his driving behind the scenes. Um, and, um, I, I think his appointment was widely welcomed. And, um, if, if this is his doing, I think he's doing a good job, quite frankly.
So two quite exciting positive news stories coming out of government, which is fantastic. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's about time we get things going, you know. Let's yep. focus on let's focus on the job at hand, yeah. And you and you focus on these sort of things. I mean, throughout the Jacob Zuma years, it was just bungling and 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 corruption and uh, uh nothing was ever happening, you know. There was a lot of talk and talk and 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 um projects which the government should never have taken mm. on and all this mm. sort of stuff. Um it makes it makes me feel positive that um, that uh, we're seeing these sort of changes now under the Cyril Ramaphosa administration. And yeah. It makes me wonder whether um, you know with these sort of uh, fixes which are being applied. If you apply these sort of fixes not just in the ICT space and the broadcasting space, but apply these sort of fixes right across the economy where there are problems, mm-hmm. um, it could really turn our economy around in quite short order. Oh, definitely. But having that underlying tech there is going to be the key, you know, to unlock so much of that potential for small businesses and even government, you know, to... Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it's, and, and the other thing I wanted to say, just the last thing for me on this is, in terms of time, the time that we've wasted, I mean, just how much can be done in a day, how much can be done in a week, you know? Mm. Just It's just being decisive, I guess, the, having the right people in the right... But uh, you know, what's good for the people, not good for my pocket. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, on that positive note, we're going to take a quick ad break for our podcast listeners. For our live listeners, we'll be back right now. Hello? I know you're there. Look, I can see the lights of the TV. Please, I just want to watch the finale. Come on, guys. I'll give you a foot massage or anything. Time to get your own fiber? Speak to Vox. Because for a limited time period, you can save up to 3,000 Rand in installation costs. And we'll send a technician to help you get set up. Hello. Go to vox.co.za. Get fiber to your home. Get free installation and activation. Open the door to endless entertainment. T's and C's apply. Bitco is revolutionizing the way businesses connect. We're taking on your connectivity challenges and shooting our high-speed fiber internet across the country. Not just for some, but for everyone. Fiber is not a luxury, but a necessity. For business, for life, for you. And being connected is everything. So network with a tier one internet provider and take your business to the next level of connectivity. Bitco.co.za. Connectivity is everything. Well, welcome back to the show. How's it, Rechat? How's it, Duncan? Good, thanks. So we ran a story on Tech Central this week um, after speaking to some sources uh, about uh, about this. I, I spoke to the company themselves, and they, uh, they they said they couldn't comment, but there was a sort of a nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Uh, we're going to have oh. some exciting news soon. Um, but I've heard that um, the Take-A-Lot, uh, which is South Africa's biggest online retailer owned by Naspers, is going to be creating a customer distribution center in Johannesburg where you'll be able to go and pick up orders, for example, and presumably return things as well if, if you're not satisfied with them. Now, Takelot's had this in Cape Town for many years at their warehouse. Um, I think it's mm. in Milnerton or… Yeah, Milnerton. Is it in Milnerton? Um, yeah. Well, there's, there's like industrial area just there yeah. by Milnerton. Uh, so they've had this for a while um, in, in Johannesburg. That while they've had, they've have a massive, massive warehouse on the on the on the East Rand, which I've uh, which I've had a tour of, which very impressive facility um, just beyond the airport. Um, you haven't been able to, as a customer, to go there, and uh, probably as a customer, you probably don't want to go all the way mm-hmm. up to the far East Rand to to collect an order. So what I understand that they're doing um, is that uh, do you know the um, the bridge? Across the N1 highway in Midrand at the New Road off-ramp. Yeah, um, there was a coffee shop there, a very nice coffee shop 
There was a Mac- not in a nice coffee shop, but it was overlooking that way. Yeah, there was a it was a Maxi's restaurant, I think. Yeah, oh, that's the one. Yeah, and there was a it, the garage was a Caltex, and there was a fresh stop there. I know I used to uh, stop there quite early sometimes on on uh, weekend mornings on my way to go trail running uh, out in the countryside mm. for a, for a coffee and a bite. Um, and they always had fantastic coffee at five thirty in the morning. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but so I was a little bit disappointed when I saw it close because it was uh, mm. I, I was surprised it closed down um, because. Uh, you know, it's such a such an easy way to fill up with petrol. You just pull off the highway yeah. and you get on the highway again, right there. Um, and well, I think there's a lot of competition in the area too. I there mean, is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, I guess it's just more central for other people. Yeah. I believe the Maxis closed down after there was a very violent thunderstorm uh, earlier this year um, that that smashed all the windows and d- did extensive damage to the restaurant. Oh, uh, wow. Um, I'm not sure whether that's linked to the closure of the garage and, and the whole facility, but it's been closed at least, I think, since February of this year. Um, and uh, so I, I think it's – I think it's uh, assuming the Take-A-Lot is doing this, which I'm pretty certain they are, uh, I think it's a, um, it's a brilliant move. Oh, yeah. It's Location-wise, location you're placing yourself right in the dead center of Gauteng between Johannesburg and Pretoria with easy access – um, from routes all around. Uh, so if you need to collect something quickly, um, you just uh, pull off there, pick it up, off you go again. Mm. Um, I don't know if they're going to be doing distribution from that point as well. Perhaps they are. Um, I don't know if that facility is big enough to do distribution. Um, it's certainly a lot smaller than their uh, warehouse on the East Rand. Yeah. Um, but as a customer center, um, if they repurpose that, there's lots of parking there. Um, mm. You know, as you pull into that garage, there's all the parking on the left and right before you even get into the filling station area. There's a building on the left. There's the old Maxi's restaurant, depending on which side of the highway you're on, of course. There's the old Maxi's restaurant, which went right over the highway. I'm not yeah. sure which part of this they're planning to use, but um, but what a brilliant location. Um, that- you, you can also make it very secure. Mm. Uh, which they'd have to do because they're going to be carrying a whole lot of high-value goods at that location. Um, you can mm. make it super secure. And, um, and but access control would be easy, and yeah. uh, they should they should do something like a drive-through. Imagine how cool that'll be. Don't even have to get out of your car. You just go up. There's my order number, or whatever yeah. code you need, and I pick it up at the next window. Very easy to do a drive-through there. I, mm. I hadn't even thought about that. Um, but uh, as as far as um, as far as retail locations go for an online retailer, I think it's a masterstroke. Mm. No, definitely. I mean, the traffic, uh, you know, the traffic coming through Midrand, a lot of people, a lot more people will probably be buying from Take A Lot if they know they can just pick it up on the way home. Yeah. yeah I or think on the way into the office in the morning. Exactly. I think the only um, tr- trouble, and it's not a major issue, but the only trouble pulling off at that garage is you have to get back onto the highway again. So if you're coming from the southern side, from Joburg side, for example, um, you pull off, then you're going to have to get back on the highway and go all the way up to the Ullefansventin off-ramp and then do a U-turn and come south again. Um, but I don't know if that's that much of a But won't they, won't they be able to, because, I mean, you'll be able to build a road that allows you to link back on um, onto the road that takes you Back to for, to where you came from. I don't think that's possible. Just thinking no. about that site, I don't think that's possible. Not without major engineering. Okay. Um, no. it, it may be, but I don't. I'd, I'd have to go and have another look at it. But I don't think that would be possible. Look, either way, just if, even if you just have to make a turn, mm. um, you know, as you get off the highway there, yeah. I don't think it'll be a, a massive inconvenience. Maybe five minutes detour. Absolutely. And you make a good point. A lot of people will actually be traveling in that direction anyway from home to work or work to home, uh, for example. And, um, and so they drive, drive in, 
through the drive drive through if there's a drive through pick up their uh, whatever it is they yeah, bought yeah. and carry on to their destination and people coming from four ways will be able to just head through Kailami to get there very quickly very easily because yeah. they're also widening all those roads there so uh, traffic is going to be less of an issue in the middle of the day. Obviously, mm. peak time traffic will always always be a bit of a problem, but um, mm. no, it's definitely a very clever move. Anyway, Techlot has promised an announcement soon, um, so uh, look forward to seeing the details. It is. It's also very making it very very lucrative or very appealing for Amazon. Look at what these Techlot guys are doing. Maybe <laughs> we should buy them. <laughs> <laughs> yes, maybe we should buy our own bridge. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> So um, a story which I actually didn't get as much attention this week and uh, as I expected it to, and I was actually really surprised by this, was the announcement by Google that they're effectively shutting down Google+. Plus. Well, I think the reason why there's not been much news is because nobody's been using it for a while. Because no one cares. Right? <laughs> yeah, nobody's, I, think, I think that answers your question right there. I mean, the idea was great, and it was heavily integrated with, within the other suite of things. So mm. for ads and SEO, it was in your interest to have that kind of stuff up. It was, but it was a bit more of a burden, to be honest. We don't, we, the idea was cool, and it, it had its heyday for a few months. And uh, yeah, yeah. People, the people spoke. But what is it about Google and social networking? They just don't seem to be able to get it right. You know, they had that um, successful um, uh, before Google Plus. They had something very successful called Orkut. I don't know if you remember Orkut. O r k u t. It was massive, massive in Brazil, um, but it never really took off anywhere else. Uh, and then they launched Google Plus, um, and I think they killed Orkut, if I if I remember correctly. Mm. Kind of integrated into Google Plus or something like that. Um, and it was really was an attempt to take on on Facebook. And I remember reading a, um, I think it might have been Fortune or Business Week, uh, at the time. Mark Zuckerberg uh, at Facebook was absolutely terrified about Google, and then he marshaled all the troops. We've got to, we've got to do everything we can to prevent Google from stealing our business and taking over in social networking. And then it all turned into a damp squib. But I think also the other, I mean, the other side of it is probably, you, you know, Google. Google does a lot of things fantastically well. When it comes to social networking, I mean, I guess it's it's also like a human nature to not want to necessarily have everything um, coming from one source. You know, maybe mm. people just liked another uh, another service that was out. Uh, what, when was it? 2014. So Facebook, I mean, it was was already big by then. Yeah, it was. Um, that already had the significant first mover advantage, and maybe people mm. just said, "Well, why on earth would I want another social network? Facebook is already meeting my needs." Well, that that was definitely some of the comments I remember at the time. Mm. I mean, I just looked online now that O R K U T logo. It was, uh, yeah, it's very. It was it was sad. I mean, it was a very nice platform, but um, yeah, I think at the end of the day, people just wanted. You know, it's like Instagram was great because it was an alternative photo sharing thing that mm. nobody saw, and that's why people flocked to it. Um, you know, Google Plus. Did it have a very good visual element? I, th- I think it was a bit of a combination of like a Facebook v- with an Instagram flavor mixed in there. But people, I guess, just wanted um, where their friends are already. And, uh, and mm. apart from us geeks, nobody really was on Google Plus from the early days. And that's the problem with these social networks. You have to build up that cr- critical mass. And if people aren't using it, no one's going to go there to see what people are posting because there is nothing to see. It's like a desert with. Uh, uh, what do you call those uh, tumbleweeds floating past? Yeah, wow, wow, wow. But it's very much like a WhatsApp's new status, live status updates. Nobody's really using it because you don't go to WhatsApp to see what people are doing. You go yeah. there to communicate. Yeah, yeah. So it does you go to Google to search. Sorry, you go to Google to search stuff and to find out information. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
It could have worked, I guess, if, if they, you know, if different time and place. If they'd um, done it a few years earlier, maybe. Yeah, maybe if the right celebrity came on board. You know, there's a lot of things. But I think if we look at Google's history of stuff, you know, they, they do push new ideas very hard. And if it, if it fails within a certain mm. period, sometimes it's a short period, sometimes mm. it's a much longer period, but they do have a tendency of just killing stuff uh, they do. very easily. They kill stuff very aggressively, which um, I think is actually a problem. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. For developers, I think it's a particular problem because if you're a developer and you commit to a platform, you invest a lot of time and effort and energy into it. And uh, the next mm. thing Google says, well, sorry, it didn't get enough traffic. We're pulling the plug on it. Yeah. And they've done but it. They've I, done it again and again and again yeah, and again. Yeah. And sometimes... Probably, you know, there were definitely some instances where they shouldn't have done it. You know, if you give something more time or leave it, give it to the people to, you know, continue building it. Yeah. Uh, um, <clears throat> Google Talk, remember, was a fantastic chat platform that evolved into a bit of a mess after that. Yes. Um, Window turned into Hangouts and it ruined it. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, uh, yeah, I guess, you know, you'll always have the evolution in tech. Um but in this case, yeah, we, yeah. we knew Google Plus wasn't going to work f- from from a f- from early, early stage. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, now Google um, blamed the decision to uh, close Google Plus on uh, the security breach that they disclosed last week, uh, which apparently happened earlier this year. Not clear why they didn't disclose it at the time, uh, but they effectively blamed it on the security breach, which sounds very rich indeed. I mean, they closed it mm. down. Come on, guys, you closed it down because it wasn't successful. Yeah, exactly. Which is a convenient ex- convenient coincidence, I guess. Yeah. Well, come up with a better excuse next time because that one just <laughs> very transparently obvious wasn't the case, reason for shutting down Google+. Plus. Yeah, I mean, the fact that they didn't disclose that security breach, I mean, that's probably a bigger conversation to be had here. Like, yeah. You know, Why if not? it was a more popular service, it would have been a huge problem like we see with, Mark, uh, with Facebook's Facebook. um, mm. breaches. Yeah. yeah. I guess, again, it goes to show how people just didn't care about Google+. Plus. So even with the security breach, I don't think anybody <laughs> yeah, like, really cared because yeah, no one was sharing any no, information. No, yeah, no, nothing was on there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. We've got quite a lot of uh, followers on Google+, Plus with uh, on Tech Central. I think it's something like seventy or 80,000 uh, mm. followers on Google+, Plus, but I, I, I suspect that number is largely meaningless. Um, but, yeah, but again, how did uh, people don't go there to consumers? So, so it might have been through a Google search or something. They get onto it, they like it. The yeah. question is, if people do consume through that directly, yeah. then you would want to move those people over to another platform. But I don't think those were all 100% live, you know, all yeah. the time kind of users. No, no, no definitely not. Um, we continue to post to Google Plus, and they've said Google Plus for business is going to is is not being pulled. So we'll continue mm. as Tech Central to post on there, purely because I think that uh, posting it onto there might elevate our search results in Google. Um, it does definitely. Yeah. No, it does. I mean, yeah. it's it's they they do prefer and, and, and original content on their own platforms uh, definitely get the, the better part of that algorithm. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's what I've long suspected. So even with the consumer version of Google Plus being pulled, we'll continue to automatically post our. Our articles onto uh, onto Google Plus. Um, don't see any reason not to do it. Our last story this week is um, something very interesting, Rachel, that you've uncovered. Uh, and this is a um, well, researchers at Caltech and the University of Quebec have invented the world's fastest camera that takes a mind-boggling ten trillion shots per second, uh, and uh, this is then able to do something quite mind-blowing. Yeah, and I think um, this is why Adobe's making a new announcement this week, just to, to, so that Lightroom can accommodate a 10 trillion shot library. Because <laughs> how else would you edit these things, right? 
No, but like you said, yeah, 10 trillion shots. So this is not the kind of camera you're going to take out, um, you know, to your local sports games. This is mm-hmm. more akin to a, a crisp. But essentially what it does is, you, you, and the, the, uh, you know, when you press a laser pointer, um, you immediately see the spot on the wall. You don't, you don't kind of see that intermittent movement of the light from, um, the moment it comes out of that diode. And, but, you know, some scientists have explained it, it does happen like a shotgun. So as soon as you press that button, the light squirts out. And, you know, you'll then be able to shoot it. So what they've done with this amazing camera, and I would advise to go check it out. There's a few stories of it online to go check out the photographs. But what they've been able to do with this uh, fantastic uh, camera is capture the light movement, essentially. And on the photographs, you can you can actually see the, you know, the, the, the points on the, uh, on the frame Photons. where the light has been, yeah, where, where the light has essentially been, been captured. Um, so yeah, I mean this is absolutely fantastic, and it's going to be for 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 uh, scientific purposes, you know, research, you know, potentially uh, hydrogen collider style, um, um, you know, science. I guess you know we're going to see a lot of improvement um, in that area. So this mm. is something worth keeping an eye on. But yeah, ten trillion, fr- uh, yeah, ten trillion frames a second. That is definitely going to. <laughs> Bring up the old computer CPU processing power there. Yeah, that could fill up your cloud drive storage pretty quickly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. Um, just on an interesting side note, um, this is actually – so the previous record was a camera um, that was developed in 2015, and that was only 4.4 trillion shots per second. So only? in three, three years, they've more than doubled it. That's yeah, incredible. I mean, only 4 trillion. But now, obviously, now that it's this fast, um, mm. yeah – Light becomes a different thing. That's incredible. Uh, the website uh, where the photographs are uh, is futurism.com. Go have a look at that and search for the headline, World's Fastest Camera. Um, yeah, uh, I see on the show notes here, you, Rafael, you write, time to upgrade your camera again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, I was going to go with a bit uh, about you just boarding, buying a new camera. Yes. Um, Already outdated, Duncan. Yeah, I think I think mine can manage uh, twelve frames a second or something like that. <laughs> and that already is is very fast. I mean, very few people actually use a camera ever for that kind of thing. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Sometimes when I put it on CH, which is the um, fast camera uh, shutter speed, I'm always amazed I hold down that button too long. You know, more than a, like a tenth of, or twentieth of a second, and how it just goes. Yeah, exactly. Oh man, some people love it. Yeah. Look, I mean, there's there's big there's a lot of application for that, and if you know the photographs you get at high speed, you know, of action, mm. there's a lot you can do. Yeah. Great. Well, that takes care of this week's news. Let's move on to our regular features and let's uh, chat about our winner and loser of the week. Um, I, I was mulling over whether to pick this company as our winner or our loser this week because I guess they could mm. fall into either category. But ultimately, I decided to um, pick them as our winner, and that's Hetzner, which suffered a security breach um, this past uh, 10 days or so. Um, now, that would put them in the loser camp. But the way they've handled it, um, I thought it was very good. They mm. immediately communicated in detail with their customers, told them, told their customers what had happened, mm. what they were doing to address the situation, and um, you know, very clear, um, immediate, uh, detailed communication with customers. And um, I thought they put them in the winner box for that. Um, you know, they've they've had a serious incident like this before, which obviously. Um, has concentrated their minds and, and made them improve their processes around cybersecurity. Mm. Um, and these things do happen. Uh, you have incidents. Software yeah. can sometimes be unpatched. 
Hackers are always trying to penetrate systems, um, particularly in a data hosting environment. Um, they they identified the problem. They they did the necessary. They patched the servers. They communicated with the customers, and um, the story, unlike the last Hetzner incident, died down very quickly. And I think that was a result of their clear, yeah. concise communication. So I think I think they're deserved winners this week. Yeah, look, I've long been a fan of of this. I've been using them for a very long time, and and this kind of thing hasn't really, yeah, the way that they've always handled this has, has you know, I've never really had a problem. What's more important for me is their service, and that's always mm. been spot on. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, if I look at, I've got some just on a side note there. I've got so many sites running, and every now and then I have an old site that I've neglected to do anything with. It's maybe just a demo site that I put up, mm. and that site would get compromised more often than none, uh, more often than none, and then they would immediately. Obviously, stop it, block it, send me a mail with all the information. Your site's been compromised. This is what you do. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they back up your files to a, another spot, but the site doesn't run. You know, so I, I like the way they operate. So mm-hmm. definitely a winner for me as well. Yeah. Okay. And our loser this week, uh, also related to cybersecurity, is Facebook. Um, just compounding all of the issues they've had over the last 12 months. <laughs> but uh, revealing um, a couple of days ago, I think it was on Friday, that uh, the personal details of 14 million people were hacked. In uh, in this recent incident, uh, many people mm. will say, "Well, who cares?" Because you know you're putting this information on the internet anyway. But exactly. um, I think it's Facebook's responsibility to keep your private information secure, and if it's not doing that, it's failing. Oh, definitely. But um, they're still the biggest, and people are not going to stop using them. Right? No, they won't. People won't stop using them. <laughs> but um, they're our loser this week, and I think we're, we're making them our loser not just because of this latest incident, but everything that's compounded on them over the last year. It's a, it's a track record there. So there's a there's a poor track record indeed. And um, so, what's your what's your pick this week, Richard? So last week uh, we actually got a WhatsApp uh, at Rage when we were there. You remember yes. uh, of uh, somebody telling us about this uh, game developer that we need to go and check out, and I did just that. The game is called Four Pillars. And I mean, it is absolutely fantastic game. It's it's not your average. It's a dungeon style slasher. Um, but the developer, I had a chat with him, and his name completely escapes me. Please forgive me. Go check it out at elagcreations.com. Um, but uh, this is a, a pretty difficult game. It's, it's really for your serious gamer who, when he sits down to play a game on his mobile device, is going to get a, a challenge, um, unlike something he's necessarily had before, where a lot of these games are pretty straightforward and easy. Uh, so yeah, the four pillars, very very nice game. Graphics are absolutely beautiful. The gameplay, the, the story, the story is okay. I mean, it's you don't play this game for the story. You sit down and you slash some um, demons and uh, and and some other dodgy dungeon crawlers <laughs> while you while you dodge spike traps and swing around blades. It's it's a lot of fun. I've been playing it all week. It's completely free. Um, the developer has no interest in you know putting ads on this game or selling it or doing anything like that. It's a pure he's a, he's a mobile developer by day. So this is one of those things that's um, very much a side project for him. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, depending on popularity of this game, it's, which it just launched now um, at Rage or at Rage, yeah, um, depending on on the popularity, he might add some more chapters uh, or improve the game, or just uh, continue on to another title altogether. Well, it's quite exciting to hear about local game developers. So that's um, website is elagcreations.com, and the game is called Four, the number four, and then Pillars. One word. Available on Google Play and the App Store. And the graphics are very, very nice. I would, I would advise anybody listening just go and download it, check it out. Hmm. If you don't like it, uninstall it. But uh, I'm sure you'll thank me for it. 
So I attended the launch this week of the new Fitbit Charge 3, and um, I have been playing with it for a few days, and I must say I'm quite impressed with it. Um, I've um, historically used uh, GPS sports watches, um, mm. but um, and I've never used a Fitbit before. This is the first Fitbit I've used. Uh, and I wasn't expecting much, to be honest. Um, I, you know, I always really enjoy the the full featured nature of of sports watches. Uh, in that they've, you know, they've got big screens. They um, have GPS built into them. They um, have advanced software for tracking your running and or whatever sport you happen to do. Uh, but um, since using the Charge Three, I'm I'm quite impressed, um, especially given its relatively low price next to those GPS sports watches. Um, it's uh, so it it it, um, it works in conjunction with your phone, um, Android or iOS, and gives you detailed feedback. I'm particularly impressed with the uh, sleep metrics it gives you. Um, nice. It shows you, um, it, you know, tells you what type of sleep you had. Uh, tells you when you were in d- deep sleep, light sleep, or REM sleep. Um, it can even give you uh, tips on sleeping better. Um, it um, it allows you to track uh, your um, food and, and uh, water intake as well. A whole huge amount of things that um, every Fitbit user will know, but I've just come to now because I haven't used one of these before. Um, <laughs> but it's really nice. It's got a nice little OLED screen. Uh, you twist your wrist to see the time. It's got multiple watch faces. It's got a built-in heart rate monitor. So um, my heart rate is currently 77, so I guess I'm a little bit excited doing a podcast. Um, (laughs) It shows me I've done 2,100 steps today, uh, which uh, is uh, not nearly enough, so I'm going to have to get out and do a walk after this. Um, But it's quite a nifty little device uh, for 3,000 Rand. um, comes Hmm. with a nice little watch strap. It looks like a silicon watch strap. Um, Now... It's yeah, and it allows you to to track your your activity. Now, if you're a serious sportsman who um, I don't know runs comrades or goes trail running over mountains and that sort of thing, you probably want to get a GPS sports watch and not rely on a on an activity tracker like this. But if you're a casual exerciser, which I seem to have become over the last year, um, <laughs> very very casual, um, you do a park run or you um, walk around the block a couple of times a week, or you're just wanting to know what your heart uh, what your heart rate is doing. Um, uh, or just have something on your wrist that encourages you to do more exercise. Um, this Fitbit is really, really good. Now, for 500 Rand more, you can get um, a special edition of this watch. Um, so 3,500 Rand. That includes NFC, which then allows you to um, do uh, tap-and-go payments uh, at retailers. Mm. Um, it's a pity it's not included in the base model. Um, if I was going to get uh, a Fitbit Charge 3, this is a review I'm using, if I was going to get a Fitbit Charge 3, I would definitely get the special edition with the NFC built in because tap-and-go payments are, even if you don't use them, you are going to use them in future. They're so convenient. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But I'm quite I'm quite, uh, quite impressed with the little device. That's a Fitbit Charge 3 just launched in South Africa. And apart from our quiz results and uh, our song pick, which is, uh, which is mine this week, um, we are done with the podcast, but let's do those quiz results. Let me do the first question. Telcom is reportedly in talks with a view to possibly buying which Zimbabwean telecommunications operator, and that is the state-owned Net One. The second question. Communications regulator ICASA has vowed to license radio frequency spectrum for 4G by when? The answer is 31 March 2019. Just around the corner. 
And uh, the third question, when does ICASA expect to license 5G spectrum? And the answer there is 2020. Also just around the corner. Also just, <laughs> can you believe 2020 is it's terrifying. Nearly, merely a year away, if you think about it. Absolutely terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> well, the future, all right. Fourth question, the outgoing CEO of eMedia Holdings said South Africa can complete its digital migration to digital television within a year. Who is he? The answer is Andre van der Fien. And the last question is quiz Adobe, and um, lots going to be lots of excitement uh, in uh, Rechart's uh, office this week over this. Mm. Adobe will this week uh, take the wraps off the next major update to the Creative Cloud suite of software. What is the event which is taking place in Los Angeles called? And that is Adobe Max. And, oh, Adobe, uh, a good one. I think the keynote is um, it's either tomorrow, Monday night, or Tuesday night. I forget. I think it's Tuesday night. Um, our time. So um, if I'm available, which I think I will be, I will be watching that as well. Otherwise, catch the highlight reel on YouTube, right? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> There's no no reason to catch these things live anymore, really. Just catch it after the... Unless you're a journalist like us who has to um, report on it immediately. But, for sure. Uh, no, for sure. For um, sure. Uh, I also like watching the some of these keynotes because I actually genuinely enjoy watching them. And mm-hmm. this may be one of those. They are a lot of fun. So we're playing out with a song pick of mine this week, and it's a song I played on the latest episode of Rock Central, Rock Central episode 10. Uh, If rock music is your thing, uh, please do subscribe to that podcast. We are now available in high-quality audio in Spotify. Uh, Just go into uh, Spotify and search Rock Central, one word, and you will find the podcast. And by the way, all of our podcasts are now available in Spotify, um, including uh, The Best in Tech, uh, from which is hosted by Rechart, Cars and Gadgets, which is hosted by Nafisa Akabo and myself. And uh, what else do we do? Losing track of all the podcasts we do. <laughs> um, Your interviews and then… Uh, of course, the Tech Central uh, podcast and Talk Central, this podcast. Uh, but if you just search Tech Central, that's one word, uh, Tech Central on Spotify, you will find all of our podcasts uh, listed there. And uh, just hit the subscribe button to the ones you are keen to listen to. And uh, why not subscribe to all of them while you're there? Um, but Rock Central is uh, is our newest podcast and um, a bit of fun on the side, I think, really, uh, than… Uh, Nothing tech focused at all, but a bit of a bit of fun. I'm a big fan mm. of rock music, and um, looking forward. To, by the way, Rechard, I might ask for your help soon to do a, a rock central focused exclusively on South African rock. Um, Ooh, I know you're now. A, there's an idea. I know you're a, a, a big follower of South African rock, and my mm. knowledge in that space is is um, not as good as it should be. So maybe we should collaborate on an episode of Rock Central soon. Now there's an idea. Let's do it. Great stuff. So off the Rock Central edition ten, which looks back at uh, 1970s rock classics. Uh, for our podcast listeners, unfortunately, we can't stream this live today uh, because of some technical challenges we're having with Spotify. But uh, for our podcast listeners, uh, this is uh, the one and only, the brilliant David Bowie and a track called Starman. Until next week, from Rechard and myself, take care and cheers. Ciao, ciao.
Look out your window. 